I'm Hillary Hendershot, your host, and this is Profit Boss Radio, episode 142. Profit Boss Radio is your weekly wealth mastermind. Profit Boss is also a community and a movement for women who are ready to take control of their money, break the glass ceiling, and give ourselves permission to finally have enough. Want the secrets of wealth to be yours? This is the place. I'm Hillary Hendershot. I'm a certified financial planner running a leading advisory firm for women, and I'm sharing with you real stories from real life and real women who are making it happen. Forget Wall Street. Let's do this, ladies. Hi there, Profit Boss. I've been thinking a lot about you as um, so many of your applications for the 50K Wealth Multiplier experience are coming in. We've had a great run. I can really tell that um, I can tell that many of you are really engaged with the content here and that so many of you really get it, that my mission for you and for your life is very, very real for me because I can tell that I've built relationship with so many of you, even though it's a one-way relationship so far. If you are still on the fence about the 50K Wealth Multiplier experience, I urge you to download the white paper and review the website. The results we produced last year are incredible, and um, and I'm looking forward to 2019's cohort, which is already growing. So as of today, we're going to be taking a little summer hiatus. I need to focus on the 50K program and, frankly, my daughter's health. And so it, there just comes a point when you have to admit to yourself as a person who runs a business and who wants to have a high quality of life that you can only fit so many things on your plate. So take a short hiatus, a summer a summer break. And I've got some great content for you today. But if you're listening to this, I do hope that you will, if you're on the fence, if you're on the fence about applying to the 50K Wealth Multiplier Experience get off the fence. Sitting on the fence hurts. It's not comfortable. You can be a no, but you could be a yes to making an investment in your future that could pay massive dividends. Go ahead and listen, re-listen to episode 140 if you haven't. And, um, you know, in that episode, I talk a lot about the actual lessons learned. We tell some real life win stories from 50K Wealth Multiplier experience participants so that you can get a sense of what it's actually like to be in the program. And, um, the minimum, the, the minimum return on investment that we produced for last year's participants, assuming this year's pricing, is 600%. 600% ROI. That's a pretty solid return. So I'm, I'm happy about that. I'm excited. Check out the white paper. We detailed... We actually gave a uh, an actual case study for each of the seven steps to wealth so that you can see what it's like in real women's lives to work through these steps. And I would love to have you consider being in the program. In the meantime, I'm sending you off with a little bit of homework. Yes, you have homework over the summer. I want you to take time to review your beneficiary elections and your spouse's beneficiary elections in all of your accounts. I want you to make sure that things are set up the way they should be. And what I have from for you here is an article from Financial Advisor Magazine. So it came across my desk. And I think it's really interesting to share the stories of mistakes that people make. So I'm sharing estate planning and beneficiary election mistakes 
so that you don't have to make the same mistakes. Here's a quote from Sarah Brenner, the Director of Retirement Education for Ed Slot and Company. She says, in financial planning, sometimes the simplest and most mundane of tasks can have the biggest impact. Few places is that more clear than in the process of inheriting and rolling over IRAs. The beneficiary designation form is the Rodney Dangerfield of estate planning documents, she says. It gets no respect. A beneficiary form is like a piece of paper. It's free to fill out and people don't take it seriously. That's a huge problem. The beneficiary form is what determines how the retirement assets will pass to the next generation. For example, according to the article, a USA Today story last month told the story of a widow in Las Cruces, New Mexico with multiple sclerosis, who was left a $1 million pension by her husband, but she couldn't find her beneficiary form. Since she couldn't prove that she was intended as the account's beneficiary, the pension agreed to pay out only what her husband had paid into the system and not the actual pension payments. So every time you have a major life event, like a birth, a death, a marriage, a divorce, a remarriage, every time the tax laws change, you want to do a full beneficiary form checkup. Take, for example, the case in 2012 called Herring versus Campbell before the Fifth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals. The client's beloved stepchildren, to whom he had given his entire left his entire estate equally in shares with his bio children, were disinherited because he had failed to update his beneficiary forms. The client had named his spouse as his beneficiary, but his spouse predeceased him by one year, and he never updated the form. When a retirement account beneficiary predeceases the account holder and the beneficiary form isn't updated, the standard default rules for account inheritance apply. Courts consider potential heirs starting with a surviving spouse, then children, then parents, then siblings, and finally the estate of the deceased. In Herring versus Campbell, the courts agreed with the benefit administrators that the stepchildren are not considered children for the purposes of determining who will inherit the account's assets. The administrators decided that the assets should be inherited by the client's siblings. In other words, the brothers and sisters of the man who died. Now, in this case, the stepchildren eventually sued the plan and won because the client had already left his entire estate to them. So it sounds like what happened is he left the estate to the stepchildren in his living trust, but that he didn't update the beneficiary form. See, tax-deferred accounts, qualified accounts like IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401ks, and some pensions are actually outside the estate. They're not governable or ownable by the revocable living trust. So what dictates how those assets get transferred is the beneficiary form. Literally, whose name is on that beneficiary form? That's what you need to be looking for. Here's another case where uh, a, a person actually got bad advice and made a big financial, costly financial mistake. Elroy Earl Morris inherited his father's $95,900 IRA as the sole beneficiary of the account, and and he decided that his siblings should get a share of the account. Sounds like a benevolent thing to do. So he approached a law firm about transferring some of the money to his brother and his sister and asked if there would be tax implications. Well, he got advice from a paralegal in that firm, and the paralegal said that there wouldn't be any taxes, but she was thinking about estate uh, estate taxes not income taxes. So what she didn't realize was that taking a full distribution from the IRA to split the assets between himself and his siblings would result in the full amount being taxable to him. So every dollar of that became ordinary income on his tax return. 
In 2015, a tax court upheld the income tax charge to Morris. That tax bill could have been avoided if the account's beneficiary form had divided it among Morris and his siblings. And actually what this article doesn't even say is that if he had given that money to his brother and sister after paying ordinary income tax on it, it would have also been subject to the gift tax. So you can't just give money out, okay? People think, oh, well, just give it to its rightful owner. But that's not how it works, right? The government takes its pound of flesh every time money transfers hands. So when I pay my employees, I get to deduct that money, but they have to pay ordinary income tax on it. If I'm to give money to my friend, Uncle Sam charges me a gift tax on it. So let's talk about how people usually choose to name their beneficiaries. Typically, you'll leave your retirement accounts to your spouse, and then there's a line for contingent beneficiaries. So you have a primary beneficiary election and a contingent beneficiary election. Essentially, that dictates what happens if you and your primary beneficiary get hit by a bus on the same day. So if husband and wife get hit by a bus on the same day, then that money will go to the name, the person who is named as the contingent beneficiary on the account. So it is important to have a contingent beneficiary because if both the account owner and the primary beneficiary are dead on the day the account owner dies, then you end up with the account in court. And I said I talked about before how they decide how to distribute those balances. There are rules called persterpes. That's how that money will get distributed. But you don't want that to happen. You want to be able to name your beneficiary. And then in my practice, I typically recommend that people not name people under the age of, let's say, 30 or 35 as beneficiaries for large balances. Now, again, there's exceptions to every rule, but you know, I can't tell you the number of times over the 20 years of my career doing this that I have seen the beneficiaries of a large account inheritance make massive financial mistakes. Unless you're already a high earner or have you know large account balances, you haven't learned that skill called investment or asset protection, preservation. And so you just make mistakes. And if you only receive a portion of the inheritance, a small portion at a time, that can help you learn the skill of preserving wealth. So for example, my husband and I created our own revocable living trust. And if we were to both die today, our daughter doesn't get money, not a distribution of principle, free and clear, until she's age 35. Actually, she gets three distributions, age 35, age 40, and age 45. So 33 and a third percent of the estate over a 10-year period, not starting until she's 35 years old. You know, I have to say, I have clients who are under age 35 who I would definitely count on to preserve large account balances. But the fact is, you never really know, and that money is for their future anyway. So what you can do is talk with your estate planning attorney and have language put into the revocable living trust that says that money gets put into a trust that's managed by a trustee that can be your brother or a trusted friend. There are also professional trustees who will do this on a for a fee. And that person can manage the account, can you know, create a low-cost, balanced, diversified investment portfolio that will last the test of time. So the money will still be there when the beneficiary is of age. And then they, they get distributions along the way to pay for their education, maybe their housing 
what, what they call health, education, welfare, and maintenance. So they're taken care of. They get essentially a stipend or an allowance from the account. They can also take principal distributions if they go to the trustee and say, you know, I've had an injury or I have this need to take a chunk of principal out of the account. And then the trustee can agree or disagree and sign off on that distribution. So it's not punitive. But in this way, you know, your your kids are taken care of and they're not going to, I mean, this is a real life story. I, I literally, this happened in my life to a friend of mine who was in a terrible accident. We were in high school and he actually had um, not insignificant like brain injuries and it was a really bad car accident. And his mother died in that accident. And so he was the recipient of her life insurance policy. And he spent that policy, the, his proceeds, on fraternity parties in college. It's just devastating what's happened to this person's life, right? So yeah, don't give young people large amounts of money. So I hope that helps you understand how the beneficiary process is uh, managed and you, you need to manage the details of it. So your revocable living trust, you will title your home and any after-tax accounts to the trust and the language of the trust dictates how beneficiaries receive the proceeds of the trust. But then IRAs, 401ks, and some pensions need to have named beneficiaries, certainly probably life insurance policies. So if you have young children, consider leaning on the language of the trust to distribute assets and electing a trustee to take care of that savings until your kids are of age. And if your kids are already mature and you trust them to manage large account balances, then you can leave it straight to them. Now, some of you don't have a traditional legacy plan. It's not 100% to my spouse and then to my kids. And some of you want to leave money to a charity. Some of you don't have a spouse or children. And so then you need to decide who to leave your assets to. I have clients who are leaving assets to their friends. I certainly have clients who are leaving assets to a charity. I have clients who are leaving assets to folks to take care of their pets, right? But you get to say. But the point is, if you don't say, the government gets to say. So that's not how you want it. And this process can be fairly onerous. Make sure you get in contact with all of the, the process of reviewing beneficiaries on your accounts. It's not fun. It's tedious and it's not urgent. However, if somebody important dies, now all of a sudden it's too late. So I hate to send you off into this fun summer 2019 with, you know, a little bit of the stick. If we're using the metaphor, the carrot and the stick, I don't want to be pessimistic with you. And it's really important that you get this stuff handled. So I'm counting on you to manage your beneficiary elections over the summer. You've got time. I'll be back in somewhere between eight and 10 weeks, okay? And we'll be talking about even more sophisticated topics on Profit Boss Radio next season. Again, the one thing I ask you to do is download the Multiplying Your Wealth white paper at 50kwealthmultiplier.com. Of course, as always, you can go to the show notes and find the link at hillaryhendershot.com forward slash 142. The last thing I will say is I will give you a little update on Harlan. My daughter has leukemia. If you listen to the show, you already know that. And you know, so we are getting to the very end of her intense chemo. She will be considered in remission in less than 30 days. 
And um, if I can just be a little bit honest and vulnerable and share with you what I would not normally share, I, I don't normally really talk about my personal life, but um, the truth is that all of this has been a huge weight on me that at this point, while it's not a crisis and I have a lot of confidence that she is going to be in remission and then be cured, that it it's taken a lot out of me. And I've been in communication with lots of people who I consider mentors and that I really trust. And uh, the general consensus is it is okay to take a break. And I'll be honest, when I look at Forbes today and there's the top 30 female podcasters listed, I feel a lot of energy to keep going, right? I don't want to bow out of the race. I want to be a contender. I want to win. I'm competitive. But I'm also really interested in having a high quality of life. And we've been having a, ho a house remodel at the same time. And it's a lot. It's a lot to have people in and out of your house and not have a space that supports you and not really be able to plan your day. And we have a great team around us, but I need to take time so that when I come back, I can be the best, most useful, most valuable, most interesting, most good sounding me for the podcast. You know, Harlan hasn't had any drug reactions. She hasn't had, we did have one little scare where she went into a surgical procedure where they were taking some cerebrospinal fluid to see if she had cancer in her brain cells. And I guess they didn't give her quite enough anesthesia, right? The drugs didn't completely put her out. And so she she jumped a little and I guess there was a little mixing of bodily fluids. And so they were they did find a leukemia cell. And so there was like this little scare for 24, 36 or 48 hours where we thought, well, there's this teeny little chance that she has, you know, cancer in her brain cells. And so that turned out to be a false positive, which was good and is what we were expecting. And other than that, you know, it her care has been um, really without issue. So I'm so grateful for that. And if you're looking for a charity or an organization to support this summer, I'm I'm loving the Lucille Packard Children's Hospital. Thanks for keeping up with us. And, you know, by the next time I talk with you, my expectation is that she'll be on a once a month protocol that does not have her immune compromised. She'll just be receiving infusions once a month. And at that point, she can be around other kids and go back to school and be a normal kid. Her hair is already growing back. And for those of you who uh, follow me on Facebook or are friends with me on Facebook, I share about her intermittently there. And yeah, so it's all good. And um, I'm just taking a break to recharge. And I am looking forward to some new content that I have planned for you. When I come back, you can always send your financial questions to media at hillaryhendershop.com. I need to hear from you. I need to know what your questions are. I need to know what you're thinking, what you're dealing with, because otherwise I'm just kind of talking into the ether. So for those of you who send questions, thank you. For those of you who don't, do that for me. Let me know. What, what are you thinking about? What are you wondering about? How can I help you? Let's recap really quickly. I know that I spend a lot of time on this podcast kind of in the weeds. We do interviews where we talk with subject matter experts and we talk about things like college planning and social security and being a widow and the investment markets. And so what's a big picture plan? How do you, how should you be thinking about your building up your retirement nest egg? There are lots of opportunities out there. There are really 
sophisticated, expensive investment opportunities. There's lots of different ways that you can you, you know, invest your money to try to grow it. And so if I don't say it often enough, here is my general high-level advice for your financial plan. First of all, work to maximize your income. Set your expenses very low relative to your income. The biggest leverage points in your financial life are where you live and the car that you drive. Most people spend too much on those two items. If you have done those two things, you have given yourself a huge advantage. Then don't spend on a bunch of stuff you can't afford. Set your savings rate first and then spend what's left and invest your savings in a low-cost, globally diversified investment portfolio with an appropriate allocation to bonds for your age and risk tolerance and appetite. There is no evidence that I know about, and I've been doing this 20 years, that you can reliably take a different path and earn more money, have more money at the end of the day. Some people will get lucky, most will not. There is not a shortage of opportunities for you to plunk your money down in investments that people say will produce a higher return. Most of those people are not held to their word, unfortunately, and the evidence in this case is very, very clear. Most people who try to beat the market end up failing and underperforming, and that is the facts, okay? Do not go choose any investment portfolio based on this conversation. If I I don't know you, you're not a client, I can't make a recommendation, a specific recommendation for you, but there are really good ways that you can get a hold of a good investment philosophy that works for you, that doesn't charge you commissions or front-end loads or back-end loads or have high fees in the middle, okay? So you want to be careful about that. If you have complexity in your financial life, you're busy, you don't have time to do the planning, get a good financial advisor on your team. If you are interested in seeing if my firm is the right firm to work with, check us out at uh, hillaryhendershot.com or igniteinvesting.com if your nest egg size is between 25,000 and about $499,000 to invest. We have very exciting ways for you to participate, get great comprehensive financial advice from my firm. Most most fee-only financial advisors have account size minimums that will preclude you from getting comprehensive advice. If you've ever gone to see a financial, a quote-unquote financial advisor who tried to sell you insurance, that's this is this is explaining that because that's how they make what they do profitable. It's 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 a difficult thing to do one-on-one work at lower than some fees. And so we've I've gone to the mat to make that possible inside my firm because I care about you and I want to get you good comprehensive advice. So I hope that helps and I wish you the best. Have a great summer. I'd love to hear from you at media at hillaryhendershot.com. Profit Boss, may your summer and your life be prosperous and free. I am so excited to announce that the 50K Wealth Multiplier Experience Coaching Program is back, ladies. Do you want to increase your wealth by $50,000 in the next two years? Of course you do. Just imagine the peace of mind. Imagine the freedom and security. As successful women, we want to see our work translate to living the life that we want. But the reality is that too many of us feel trapped by our finances. 
If you struggle to experience true peace of mind when it comes to your finances, if you're an entrepreneur and feel tied to your business because cash flow is unpredictable, if you want better control of your money, but right now you doubt your ability to handle wealth responsibly, your reality can start to change now. What if I can show you how to begin experiencing sustainable growth in your financial life in the next seven months? Would you accept my invitation? Imagine being informed, confident, and in total control of your finances through a proven financial automation system. Imagine creating financial security and growing your net worth. If you're ready to ignite your wealth building future, you may be a candidate for my 50K wealth multiplier experience. I'm opening registrations for the second year of this successful program in April of this year, 2019, and the opportunity is only open to a select group of applicants. The 50K Wealth Multiplier Experience Coaching Program will run from June to November of 2019. If I take you on, it's because I believe I can show you how to create a $50,000 difference in your net worth in 24 months time. I'm going to ask you to work though. This program has a community element. So I'll ask you to meet with me and the other women in your cohort in San Jose, California, three times over the six month program. You get seven one-on-one coaching calls with me seven calls with my team to organize your finances and make sure you're staying on track. And we will be there with you, supporting you every step of the way. Together, we're going to transform everything about your financial life, the way you talk about money, the way you think about money, the way you handle money and the way you grow your money. It's immersive. We're also going to open up your bank accounts and set up my proven automation system. And then my team and I are there for you throughout the program and beyond. If you choose to make sure the plan is working for you. The first step is to apply. You can find the link at 50kwealthmultiplier.com. That's the number 50 and the letter K and wealthmultiplier.com. Once again, 50kwealthmultiplier.com. You should know that no results are guaranteed. Just like any coaching program, you have to take new actions to produce new results. Take Danica, for instance. She increased her annual income by $400,000. Layla increased her net worth by $70,531 just over the course of the six months we were together in the program. Lucy started with a net worth of $65,000, but by the end of the program had grown her net worth to $111,000. And you want to know something? You can experience meaningful results in your financial life too. If you're ready and willing to do the work that's required of you to multiply your wealth, I'll be looking forward to receiving your application for the 50K Wealth Multiplier Experience.